the Lord and welcome to this morning's pre-recorded message coming to you from World Outreach for All Nations in Lawrenceville, Georgia. And so now for the message today. Last week I began a new series of teaching on financial freedom. And the very first installment, I said I wanted to establish two things which will be critical in going forward in order for us to experience the kind of liberty, freedom, and prosperity that is promised us from the scriptures. Number one, I said, we must understand that God is the source and he owns it all. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and every beast of the forest, it belongs to him. So number one, we must understand that God is the source and he owns it all. And then secondly, we must have the mindset of being a steward. A steward is a manager over the goods or the properties of another one. Amen? So number one, we must recognize that God is the source. He owns it all. And number two, we must have the mindset of being a steward. And so this morning, I want to go further in the message. I want to speak to us now on being faithful in that which is least. Being faithful in that which is least. And the portion of the message today is going to address our interaction as believers with money. How should we interact with money as believers? So I'm going to go to a scripture in Luke chapter 16. Jesus is speaking here in Luke chapter 16, beginning from verse 1. Luke 16 verse 1. <clears throat> he said also he also said to his disciples, there was a certain rich man which had a steward, and an accusation was brought to him that this man was wasting his goods. So right here off the bat, we see that Jesus is relating a story to us about a steward. And this steward, we are told, was wasting his master's resources. So number one, you must understand as a steward, you are accountable. As a steward, you will be held accountable for how you steward the resources that's been placed in your hands. Now, I'm going to skip the next few verses. I'm going to address those verses in the <clears throat> coming weeks. But let me just jump <clears throat> to verse, uh, verse 10. Luke 16, verse 10. <clears throat> he who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, if you have been, if you have been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who, no, 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 let me say that again. Let me say that again, verse 11, verse 11. Let me read that again. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that, in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, that verse in Luke 16, 10, People normally will use that scripture 
to say that those who want to be entrusted with a lot of authority have to start small and work their way up. But the truth of the matter is, when you look at the context of this passage, that isn't really what Jesus was talking about here. The context always in the scripture determines the main application. And the context of the scripture here is the steward who had wasted his master's money. So now let's begin to break it down. Luke chapter 16, again from verse 11. Let's, let's look at it again. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, this is absolutely critical that you and I understand this. This is the place where the rubber meets the road when it comes to how we interact with money and how we experience the liberty, the freedom, and the prosperity that is available in Christ Jesus. Mammon means money from the context. In context, Jesus was saying that the least area of trusting God is money. Oh boy, I, I need to let that just sink in for a moment. Because here we are, we are trusting God for healing. We are trusting God for breakthroughs. We are trusting God for supernatural explosions. We are trusting God for favor. We are trusting God for all manner of things. We are trusting God for salvation of your loved ones. We are trusting God for uh, your business to prosper and on and on and on and on. And we should trust God for all those things. But what God is trying to establish for you and I is, if you don't trust God where finance is involved, you will be handicapped in being able to trust him for spiritual matters or true riches. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That those that come to God must believe that he is and that he, God, is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Everything you and I get from God is as a result of God's grace, God's love, God's favor, God's kindness unto us. His grace provides everything for us. However, in order for you and I to appropriate all of this provision, it has to be appropriated by faith. No exceptions. Everything God gives us must be appropriated by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So now, Jesus is helping you and I to understand, okay, if you are going to learn to walk in faith, if you are going to learn to trust God for salvation, for healings, for promotion, for uh, uh, your children's breakthrough, your education, uh, your relationships, all of these other wonderful things God has provided, if you are going to have to trust God for those things, where it starts is learning to trust him in that which is least. So in God's economy, money is the least of all things. And he's saying, if you don't learn to trust me where money is involved, you will not be able to trust me for eternal spiritual matters. When Jesus said that he that is faithful 
in that which is least. He was calling money that which is least. If you are not trusting God with your finances, then you are really deceiving yourselves to think you are trusting him with your eternal salvation. The reason many of us are not seeing greater things come to pass in our life may very well be because we are not trusting God with that which is least. Money is the common denominator. <laughs> Let me say that one more time. Money is the common denominator. Why? Why do I say that? Because we all need it. We all can relate to it. Either you spend money today or you will spend money today. Whether you are rich or poor, it doesn't matter. Everywhere, every day, all of us spend money. Therefore, God says, you know what? What everybody relates to on a daily basis will become the, the threshold. It will become the, the, the plumb line through which I will measure how much you trust me. Amen? Lack of trust in the area of finances will hinder your entire work with God. Period. End of story. If you are not able to trust God with money, you will not be able to trust him with eternal riches. Let's go to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Uh, verse 17. Jesus gave a story here. Hallelujah. Mark 10, beginning from verse 17 through 21. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, remember the question. The question is, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So this person who is asking this question is concerned about eternal life, about salvation, about being born again. So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Don't miss that point. Don't miss that part. He didn't just tell him what to do. The Bible says Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, One thing you lack. One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you have treasure in heaven and come. Take up the cross and follow me. Verse 22, but it was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. This is where the rubber meets the road with many of us. Our heart is so much in our possessions, we are not able to trust God 
And therefore, in this young man's story, this young ruler's story, Jesus said to him, you really want eternal life? Go sell everything you have, give to the poor, pick up your cross, follow me. And we are told that Jesus said that to him, loving him, that is critically important. Because the reason for that emphasis is for you and I to know that God was never going to try to take something away from you for which he's not already made permission to bless you back. Hallelujah. But the guy went away sorrowful. Many of us in church, whenever you start hearing about offerings or giving, you get sad, you get tired, your face is squeezed. You just say, oh man, here they come after my money again. You do not understand that the only way you're going to get a breakthrough in your life is by first trusting God in your area of finance. Because that's the least. That's the least. That's the minimum. That's the minimum requirement for spiritual things to happen. And I maintain, and I still maintain, I still say that the reason we are not seeing the supernatural outbreakings in our congregations, in our services, is because there are too many Christians that are tight gripping on God's resources. When you are not able to trust God, when you place your trust in your earthly riches, then you are saying to God, I can bankroll my healing, I can bankroll my breakthrough, I can bankroll my favor. I don't need you. Now, you may not have said it like that, but really that's what you're saying. And that's what God is trying to get across to us. Amen? Now, look at what Jesus said in verses 29 and 30 of that Mark 10. Verses 29 and 30 of that Mark 10. Okay. Uh, well, let, let me read a few more verses actually. Okay, verse 23. Mark 10, verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Now, he's not saying that people that have riches will not enter the kingdom of God. That's not the point. But he's saying it's hard. Why? Why is it hard? Because most of these people, most of you, not just people, you, all of us around, most of us that have a few bank accounts, a few CDs, 401ks, and all of these nice trappings of life, most of us, if care is not taken, you place your trust in those things, not in God. And Jesus is saying it is hard for those who trust in their riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, they clarified what he was saying. Children, how hard is it for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. That's the point. If you are trusting in your riches, you have no idea how you are shortchanging yourself. Because God has a great plan for you. He, the plans that he has for you are plans of peace and not of evil. To bring you to an expected end. But you will hand, handicap him from being able to do so if you don't learn how to trust him. Verse 26, and they were greatly astonished and saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And I'm saying to you, I'm, so, I, I, I'm bringing this message because I really truly believe in what God is saying to us. 
not just from last week, but what he's going to be saying to us in weeks to come. I really want you to have a breakthrough. I want your financial situation to change. I want you to be in a position to where you not only trust God in your finances, but now you become one that God can trust with his eternal goods. Hallelujah. Peter began to say to him, see, we've left all and followed you. Now watch what Jesus now says. Watch what this certain ruler was missing out on. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. This was what this man missed out on. He went away sorrowful because he was so focused on what he thought he had, on the great possessions he had. Unfortunately, he did not have those great possessions. The possessions had him. And because the possessions had him, look at what he missed out on. A hundredfold return. I guarantee you, there is no one who will trust God in the area of his finance that God will not show himself faithful. Absolutely. So let me just bring this to a close now. Let me just go to some scriptures. Let's go to Genesis chapter 15. Genesis chapter 15. God was speaking to Abraham in verse 14. Genesis 15, 14. Hallelujah. Well, let me, let me start from verse 13. Then he said to Abraham, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. Oh, thank you, Jesus. And will serve them. And they will afflict them for hundred years and also the nation whom they serve I will judge <laughs> afterward they shall come out with great possessions now did Abraham ask God for this no why is God going to do this because he's God he's the source he's the owner of all of all things the promises and blessings of God make it rich and adds no sorrow to it. Abraham didn't beg God. God came and made the commitment and made the promise. Let's go to Exodus chapter 3. In verse 22. Exodus chapter 3, verse 22. So 400 years had gone by. You wonder, 400 years, 
Has God not forgotten his promise? Has he forgotten what he promised? Will he bring to pass what he said he will do after 400 years? Oh, surely. I don't really know about that. Really. Look at Exodus 3.22. Actually, actually I'm sorry, Exodus, Exodus 3.21. And I will give these people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Oh, my God. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty-handed. Oh, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They didn't ask God for anything. God, remembering his commitment to Abraham, triggered <laughs> the fulfillment of that promise and said when, when they leave Egypt, they will not go empty-handed and that he will give them favor. So who gives favor? Do we beg for favor? No, no. Favor comes from God freely. Freely, freely. But we must receive it by faith. Amen? In verse 22 it says, But every woman shall ask her neighbor, namely, of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing, and shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. Ah! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we know that your word is so true. Thank you that we know that your word will never return unto you void. Thank you that we know that you hasten to perform your word. It doesn't matter how long. Because for these Hebrews who were slaves in Egypt, who had no expectation of anything, none, God said, you will not leave Egypt empty-handed. Now, just think about this for a minute. Think about this for a minute. Because what they told them to do in verse 22 is, is, is ridiculous. They are going to go to their next door neighbors. People that they have been serving as slaves and say, give me your silver. Give me your gold. I mean, can you, do you understand that? I mean, come on. It's, it's like somebody came to your house and said, listen, I like your uh, 72 screen, uh, 72 inch flat screen TV. Bring it down, go put it in my car. Come on. Who does that? But because their heart was tuned to God, even though God was asking them to do something that was almost never done before ever, they were prompt to do, prompt to obey. My friends, when you prompt to do what God says to do, you find God faithful in ways and means you never imagined possible. Now, Exodus chapter 12, verse 36. I'm almost done. Exodus 12, verse 36. Glory to God. Oh, you can tell I'm enjoying this because it's really getting to me. I believe in what I'm saying. Every word that I'm speaking, every, every word, I believe it. And I'll be sharing with you testimonies of testimonies as we go along. Exodus 12, verse 36. Actually, verse 35. Now, the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. And they had asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold, and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, so that they granted them what they requested. Thus, they plundered the Egyptians. Hello! <laughs> 
This whole thing began from Genesis 15, over 400 years ago. And God was finding faithful people upon which to land the promise of his word in order to bring it into manifestation. Now, this is the big question now. What will a band of slaves who have never handled silver or gold or any such matter, what will they be doing with silver and gold in the wilderness? A very important question. Because if you don't understand this question, you might be mistaken to think the resources that God, the earthly resources, the worldly resources, mammon, unrighteous mammon that God has allowed you to, uh, to, to steward, if you don't understand this question, you might want to think it's just all about you. So, in Exodus 25, In verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering. Woo! From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. Now, let me read that from another translation. Let me see what the NLT says about that. Tell the people of Israel to bring me their sacred offerings. Accept the contributions from all whose hearts are moved to offer them. This is not an obligation. This is not a tithe that you must give upon compulsion. God is saying that I want you to bring me an offering. But I want to accept the offering from all those whose heart gives it free willingly. Whew, glory to God. Let me leave the tithe issue alone for right now because I don't want to get into that and don't be able to address it properly. Okay? Verse 3, Exodus 25, verse 3. And this is the offering you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, on and on and on. And. So now God tells them what to give. Excuse me. Where did they get this money for to give? Remember what David told us in 1 Chronicles 29? that of what you own, of your own things, we've given back to you. So here we are. God plundered, yeah, spoiled, plundered the Egyptians, but transferred the wealth to the Israelites. And now, seven months later, he says to them, give me an offering. But give it from a free willing heart. Remember, you didn't earn it. You didn't ask for it. Out of the largeness of my heart and the goodness of my intentions to you and to the covenant promise I have, 
I have blessed you. Now, bless me back. Do it out of a free, willing heart. We will contrast this later on with the tithe, but in a much later teaching. We are told, according to Exodus chapter 36, let me just read that. Exodus 36, verses 3 to 7. And they received from Moses all the offering which the, Israel, which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. Then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from work, each from the work he was doing, and they said to Moses, saying, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work for which the Lord commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment, and it caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained for bringing for the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed too much. Wow. So these Hebrews were challenged by God to give to God so that they can build for God a sanctuary. That's what Exodus 25 verse 8 says. Let them build me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. So they built God a physical dwelling place. Today, you and I at Walkfine and all over the world, globally, the church, we are called to build a spiritual house for God. The means is not any different. It takes resources to get the work of God done. And it's going to take all of us hearkening to the voice of the Lord our God, particularly in the area of finance, because finance determines and defines everything else in your work with God. If you're not able to trust God with your finance, you will not trust him for healing. Now, he wants to heal you. The issue is not him. The healing is available. The breakthrough is available. The favor is available. But if you're not able to trust him with finance, then you will not be able to trust him for those things. That's the point. So, let me just leave you with that for today. I want to pray now. I want to pray that God will not just haven't spoken to us and I will just leave in the same way we came without making that change. I want to challenge you like I said last week, to always say to God, I am yours, Lord. Everything I am, everything I have. And so, Lord Jesus, help me to trust you. Help me to trust you. You see, because this is what happens with us. Because money is something we relate to every day, we spend every day. We pay, uh, we pay rent, we pay mortgage, we pay uh, school fees, we... Uh, pay for food, uh, on and on and on and on. And so when you see money leaving your hand, it's, it's almost uh, a, a psychology that says you're losing something. 
but you must start seeing it in a totally different perspective. You must start seeing it as, listen, this is God's resources. It's not yours. And God allows you to be able to do certain things. He's also able to make all grace abound to your account. So you have all sufficiency in all things. And so, Father, I just want to thank you that your people will get to this place of trusting you. That we will never allow money to become a stickler point ever again. That like the certain rich ruler, we will not leave sorrowful whenever money is being talked about. But rather, God, we see it as an opportunity to honor you, to serve you, because it belongs to you to begin with. You've made it adequately clear that we cannot love mammon and love God. We cannot serve mammon and serve God at the same time. No. And so we make a decision today that we're going to serve you, that we're going to trust you, we're going to honor you. And as we do so, Lord, we are thanking you that we're going to start experiencing breakthrough in all the other areas of our lives. Thank you, Father God. We honor you, we bless you. Now and forever, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah.